for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is April 14th, 2020, and today I've got Jeremy back on the podcast to talk about a goal that he was able to achieve last season. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. Today is episode 109. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and welcome to quarantine week number five, I think. I don't even know. It's, it's crazy. It, everything's blending together now. I don't even know what to think of this stuff. I'm just ready for it to be over. Uh, I know turkey season for me is the starting this week, and I can't be any more excited for that. So, um, been scouting birds every morning. Uh, my wife and daughter and I have been taking a lap every morning around the property that we can hunt. And uh, there's birds out all over, so hopefully they'll be there come this weekend and uh, we can get after them. But um, yeah, today's a good podcast. I don't have Justin on with me. He still has been away. Um, I actually record, recorded this with Jeremy back a week ago, I think, or two weeks ago. I can't remember. But uh, just getting to getting it out today. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a good one. Jeremy, he, he's from Wisconsin, solid guy, uh, just really passionate about what he's doing. And he actually set a goal for himself last year. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to go to three different states and kill three different bucks. So he goes to North Dakota, he goes to Minnesota, and he goes to Wisconsin. So um, pretty cool stories, three awesome bucks. Um, and at the end of this, we kind of get into a little bit of, I wouldn't say a rant, but uh, just some of our opinions on what's going on in other states right now and and how their fishing game are handling things and you know how hunter on hunter bashing like hunters bashing other hunters about what they're doing and you know how they should be doing things is actually going to probably kill the hunting industry if you want to call it that rather than like the anti so it's pretty 
pretty unique twist at the end if you guys do want to stay after you know after we do talk about all these deer but uh stay on there for it's probably like 20 25 minute little talk about about that we did have to cut it short uh, my daughter ended up coming down and uh nap time was over so she wanted to see dad so uh i will have jeremy on again we do want to talk a little bit more in depth with uh what we're kind of getting into at the end of the podcast but for now this is what we're going to be talking about so i just want to thank you guys you know for the support and everything you guys are doing for the podcast we're growing like crazy thank you very much um if you guys are looking for any you know deals or promo codes on you know any of the products that we are using that we have codes for go to imhumanimal.com and uh select you know the partner tab on there look for the codes use those codes and uh save a little bit of money so with that being said i'm going to kick over to this interview with jeremy and thank you guys for like i said the support and uh, stay healthy out there stay safe and we're going to get out of this i promise (laughs) all right we're back today on another podcast and i'm actually keeping the wisconsin trend alive so i had dan infold on a couple episodes ago and then I had Keegan Zemer one of my co-workers from Wisconsin on and today I've got another Wisconsin cheesehead I don't know if I can call you a cheesehead or not but uh you are over in Wisconsin Jeremy Beck welcome to the podcast man hey thanks man and yes you can call me a cheesehead <laughs> I gotta give <laughs> I gotta give Wisconsin people a little bit of crap because I'm a Lions fan not a Packers fan so I don't know if you're a, a football fan but uh I gotta get my blows in when I can because the Lions are just they haven't been very good <laughs> no um to be dead honest with you I I honestly care less about sports once right. it's uh hunting season it's all all in the woods yep I I I don't blame you man well you know for everybody out there that doesn't know you or have never heard your your voice uh kind of give everybody a rundown of who you are where you know where you're from they know you're from wisconsin but and uh maybe how old you are well i'm jeremy beck uh 32 years old from lacrosse wisconsin and i'm a welder for a fab shop in lacrosse awesome man like uh how long you been doing the welding thing i got 13 years in this year wow so you uh you've been a grinder for sure yes no and i love it so <laughs> good deal man well you know you and i have kind of been talking a little bit about uh your season last year and i want to kind of preempt a little bit of what we're going to talk about here but you set a goal for yourself and i don't see a lot of people setting this goal for themselves but ultimately you accomplished it and that's what was really cool to me and you know your goal was to kill you know three bucks in three different states with a bow uh, when you told me that, I'm like, okay, I got to talk to you a little bit more. I got to figure this out and, and and how you did this. But I guess the first question I'm going to ask you is, you know, through your hunting, did you figure out, you know, finally come to a point where you're like, I need to set a higher goal for myself or a higher standard? And, and is that why you set this goal for yourself? Well, I've, I kind of grew up like you where I've always had private land to hunt and I've got to a point at our farm in Wisconsin to where I feel like I can pretty much kill a buck every single year. And it actually happened. My buddy, Scott Lesky, he's at the same point. The guy's killed like 13 deer in a row, nice bucks on his home farm. And he just wanted a different challenge. So he jumped over to Minnesota and did some public land. And his first year, he killed a nice 120 inch eight pointer on public land. And I kind of thought to myself, like, well, shit, I can do that, you know? <laughs> yep. 
So 2018, I did the same thing. I tried to go do that and uh, got skunked. Realized it wasn't as easy as it looks. So the next year, 2019, another thing too I was going to bring up is 2018. I actually, that was my first year. I kind of hang and bang and run and gun style was like kind of the cool thing, you know? So what I did was I went to Farm and Fleet and I bought this Millennium stand and three muddy sticks and like a ratchet strap and strapped them all together. And I thought this was my no backpack straps or anything. <laughs> so I had this janky ass kind of run and gun setup that I used to carry in the woods with me, heavy as hell. And I actually hunted with that on all the public land for 2018 and wasn't very successful, obviously. So bring into 2019, I actually went to a couple trade shows and that's where I met up with uh, Cody DeQuisto and Johnny Utah. And they're the ones that got me kind of hooked up with XOP. And I actually got a mobile setup and they showed me how to pack it and, and kind of be more, most efficient with it. And so going into the 2019, that was one of my goals also was I didn't, I did not hunt out of a single set stand this year. So your goal was just uh, strictly hang and bang and just run and gun and, and just try to get tight on these deer then. Yeah. Just more than anything, I wanted to switch it up and get aggressive because I noticed something at my home farm is throughout the years. And I was just talking to my dad last weekend about it actually, is you can, you can watch the deer trails now and they have changed drastically those deer know where those stands are, the set sure. stands. Yep. And I actually, so I kind of set up my stands this year when I'd carry my stand in, I'd actually get off. I'd actually base my stand off where set stands were. And I'd get off them about 50 yards, and it was unreal the amount, amount of deer that I was having come right under my stand just by doing that. That's cool. And and I bet you that was a, a huge learning point for you or learning curve that – like, wow, it opened your eyes a little bit more of like, you know, light bulb moment. Like maybe this mobile thing is probably, you know, there's some, there's some truth to it. Oh, absolutely. And being, being fast, efficient and quiet with the two. And and that's why I think coming down to, I mean, there's, there's probably a few different mobile setups that are really good right now, you know, between the custom gear out, Lone Wolf and XOP, I think are kind of the top three, but I mean, you know, they kind of they kind of have like a kit all set up for, you know, I mean, the sticks all, you know, lock in together. Everything's just fast, quiet. You know, they got the silencing tape now. It's it's kind of foolproof, you know. I mean, I'm I'm not an expert with it by no means, but even I was able to do it, you know. Yep, definitely. So going into 2019 then, you know, your your goal was to get a little more efficient with the hang and bang setup, but also you know, pick three states out and, and try to kill three bucks, you know, one in each state. So when you were going to pick out your states, was it something like, I want to go here because of this and and here because of that? Or was it just like, this is where my better opportunities are, or was it a tag process? Like, how did you pick out your states? Well, well, where I started was where I started the 2019 season off was North Dakota. And how that one got brought up was I actually have a friend, Nate Schroeder, that's been going out there for, shit, I don't know, probably five years. And so he kind of, he's been working his way around the state 
and they haven't had a lot of success out there. But 2017, when they were out there, they had brought back some good pictures of some good bucks, and and they just never got on and never got the job done, but they were in the right area, you know? And so he invited me to go. So it was just me and him. And so that's how we kind of picked North Dakota was I had kind of a shoe in through this guy. And I mean, if, if anyone knows this, like you probably hunting out of state, half the battle is just finding a spot. <laughs> yep. Or were you hunting public land too? Yep. That was public land. Yep. So, I mean, that's, that's a big feat in itself is just trying to find a spot where the hell to go. Right. So I benefited a ton by him doing all the legwork for five years that I didn't even know about. And, you know, another thing I was going to bring up too is that goes back to you hear a lot of these people like, oh, I did all this e-scouting on Onyx and and going on Google Earth and whatnot. I'll tell you what. So just, just out of curiosity to see if I could do it, my, I marked a bunch of spots on Onyx before we went out there and that I thought were going to be some money spots. And we got out there and some of the spots were nothing but pasture and there were 200 cows in it. Or, you know, a spot that you thought was uh, like a nice ravine with a creek running through. It was just a dried up creek bed with grass mowed down, down from cows that had been in there all summer long. You know, it's so what you think you see on these e-maps isn't exactly what you're going to get to when you get out there. Right. And that's something I kind of look into when I'm e-scouting as well. It gets you to a certain point, in my opinion. You know, definitely if I'm looking for to go 10 hours away or, I mean, you know, you're looking to travel to save you a little bit, a little bit of time to get you in the right area, you know, maybe get some ideas down. But then when you get boots on the ground, I feel like every time I've done that, it's like, wow, it's a lot different than what I thought it was. And I think a lot of guys can, can vouch for that. So I think e-scouting can only get you so far in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. That's why one thing that I would tell anyone to do is don't have one spot, have 20. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So pick, pick a town and I, I don't know however far driving wise you feel comfortable, but to me, I'd say like an hour. So if I pick a spot that I think looks decent, I go basically like an hour circle around that spot and start marking some places, you know? Yep. For sure. So going to that North Dakota spot, uh, their season probably opens first of September, I'm going to guess, or somewhere right cl- close there. Yeah. Last, last year actually was its earliest opening date. And that's why my buddy Nate was like, dude, we got to jump on this because I think it was August 30th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So like you're, you're guaranteed, like everything's going to be in velvet. That's sweet. So and that was one thing we wanted was when we went out there, I wanted a velvet deer. You want to get a velvet deer? I mean, everybody does. I want one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, honestly, if you gave, if, you, if there would have been two deer standing out there, 120 inch buck full velvet or 150, I would have shot the velvet hands down. No questions asked. Really? Like I, I mean, how many people can say they shot a velvet deer? Not a lot. <laughs> Mo- most, I mean, I, I think there's only a few States you can even have an opportunity at it. Yep. Yeah. So when you went out there, you know, finding your spot and everything, were you trying to set up more on food that early, you know, like green fields or were there, were there even any green fields or what, what was the public land? I mean, break that down for us a little bit. Was it just timber or, or what, what was it? No, it's a lot of open land and timber is extremely non-existent. You're, uh, 
you're looking for definitely the green fields. And honestly, if there's two fields side by side, you look at the one that's the darkest green and that's where the deer are going to be. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much a hands down. One thing I'd say is like, if you look out there too, on the e-maps, you're going to look at spots that look like, wow, this looks like a patch of woods. Well, not out there. It's normally just like sagebrush, mm-hmm. but this sagebrush is, it's, it's big, you know, it's, you're talking seven to 10 feet tall and you would not believe the amount of deer that'll pile in there. We actually seen, gosh, I think there was like 13 mule deer pop out of this spot that, I mean, I, I wouldn't have bet that there was five deer living in there, you know, like, I don't know how they all fit in that spot. Gotcha. So, you know, when you guys got there, did you do a lot of scouting from a distance the first couple of days or were you just set an observation stand, get in and just adapt from there? No, we definitely glass. We'd get up on hilltops, whether it was in a pasture, because there's some pretty good mounds. And we had one spotting scope. Uh, my buddy brought his spotting scope and I just have binoculars. So we'd get up on these high points and that's all we'd do. We'd, he'd had one way, I'd had another way and, and we'd just glass and, the biggest thing to do is just kind of watch these side hills with all the sagebrush and the deer would funnel out of there and head down to these green fields, you know? And, and it, one thing I noticed that was kind of odd, my buddy noticed it too, was all the deer were back to bed before dark. Really? And, and, which was way different than around here. That is. You know, is like it the heat? All, do you think it was the heat to do with it? Or do you think it might be a predator thing? Cause I know predators out there are pretty, pretty thick as well you know that's funny you say that that's what we heard too we heard coyotes were extremely bad out there yep um we didn't see any coyotes but you know the coyotes and the heat thing could definitely be a theory um i don't know i didn't see a correlation but like i watched several deer bed down probably a solid hour before dark wow i'm just wondering if it was one of those things that like you know they were probably bedded most of the day they get up and they're going to walk a little ways to eat and then maybe go bed back down, wait for it to get cool after dark, and then maybe come out in the fields again after dark. I wonder if that's a little bit yeah, of what they could, were doing. Yeah, that could definitely be. <clears throat> you know, you talk about it being hot. I actually, when I actually went back to go get my buck, I actually kicked a, a small buck out of a crick bed, and he was actually bedded right in the water. Oh, really? Yeah, so <laughs> I thought that was kind of neat for cooling down. So – to get to your buck, I mean, did you see your buck from from afar um, while you were glassing? And, you know, he was probably amongst a whole bunch of other deer because I've hunted out in Wyoming early like that. And, I mean, the deer are – there's a ton of deer together. So you're probably seeing a lot of different bucks, but were you, like, found a spot and kind of move in that next day? Is that kind of how it went down? Yeah, we, we set up – my buddy took off. I don't know, he was probably – a mile away from my where I was, but we had watched the night before. I actually set up on this high point, kind of overlooking where I could see these fields and all this sagebrush. And I watched that night before. I watched three what I would call shooters, so one twenty plus deer head down out of the sagebrush onto the field. And then I seen several doe and doe and fawn too and smaller bucks there was we seen the entire time we seen this group of five little small bucks the biggest one was like a little six pointer and so we watched them all feel uh work the way down to the fields and i videotaped them the night before and the buck i actually shot was not in this group 
but I, I seen him, we seen him the morning prior kind of work his way back up and, and he actually worked his uh, antlers on some trees and it was pretty cool, but that was at like 350 yards away from where I was. So the next day <clears throat> I actually, I told my buddy, I'm going to get down. There was, I thought it looked like a, a tree I could get in. So I, I had, took my XOP set up and, and I went in at, I don't know what time it was noon or something like that. And had to cross a bunch of fences, work my way down into this creek bottom. And I, I walked this creek bottom. And as I'm getting up to this one tree that I was kind of in between, if you can picture a hillside full of sagebrush, and then it comes down to probably like 50 yards of just tall grass, like we're talking four or five feet tall. And and then one lone tree and then the field. And I thought if I could set up in that tree, I could I could pretty much cover all that grass, you know, yep. where they're crossing. Well, anyways, I get up to this tree, realize it's half the size of what I thought it was. <laughs> and the, the branches that spread out, I mean, shit, they weren't four feet off the ground. And another thing, too, is I got up to that tree kick those five bucks out of there oh those five little bucks which (laughs) which goes back to just like just being sloppy careless sloppy you know not being ready walking through that grass just amateur stuff and so anyways i did end up finding another tree that i could get in and i wasn't i don't know what i was six seven feet off the ground but another thing i did this year is i've been setting up on the back side of the tree so I'm kind of like leaning out and shooting around the tree. Yep. And I don't know, that seems to be something I really like too for cover. I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy up in a tree, so I'm not very sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> you yep. know, I'm, I'm yep. 6'3", 270, yep. so I'm not okay. yep. <laughs> real elusive. <laughs> what night were you on when when that, uh, when that when your buck came out? Did you hunt a couple of days before you killed then? One day. I had one day of hunting. We... We glassed the one morning, we hunted the night, glassed up that field, and then I went in the next day for to get after these bucks. There's three that I would have shot. So were you hunting mornings at all, or was it just strictly evenings? We didn't. Yeah, we, we only hunted, we glassed all the mornings, and then we hunted at night, which if I could go back, I would do that differently. Really? I would, okay. I would also hunt mornings too. Okay. That's kind because of against we, the grain what everybody says. You know, everybody's like, don't hunt the mornings that early. Cause the bucks are the deer on the fields. And, um, but if you can get far back in, like I've done it, it before, you can get back in the timber or some cover where the, where you think they're going. If you can beat them there, I mean, it could be really deadly. Exactly. That's exactly what I was just going to say. And they, and where we were hunting, there was several crick bottoms to where you could, you could weasel your way in between them. Okay. So access was good then. Yeah. And they weren't, and there's a lot of hills there's a lot of hills that you can you can hide behind mm-hmm. when you're going in. And and I feel like you could they stayed out really late too in the morning. I mean, some of those deer heading back up in the hills, I mean, it was nine o'clock before they're heading back up. Oh wow. So I mean, it wasn't like the break of day they're heading back up into the uh, hillsides. Right. Like it was well into the morning. Okay. So, so you're that, you're just hunting I, evenings then. Yep, we were just hunting evenings. We were going out in the, about the middle of the day and then hunting till till dark. I mean, and it was miserable hot. <laughs> yep, I bet. 
So well, then, it depends who you're asking. A Texas guy might think differently, but <laughs> for me, it was hot. Yep. So you go in that next night, that next evening. So how'd the night kind of unfold? So <clears throat> got set up, and like I said, I was in this tree kind of overlooking this. I was kind of up on a hillside, and this tree jetted out, and I set up on the back side of this tree. And like I said, I was like six, seven feet off the ground. And so not, not much, but I actually, all my deer this year, I've actually set up, uh, the tallest one was probably 12 feet. And, and I like that better. It seems like from just kind of the little bit I've done for my shot angle, Yep. you know, creates you a know, different not, shot angle, maybe a little, a little flatter. Yeah. You know? You're not one and deer, you know? Yep. So, so anyways, got set up and he actually happened to be the first deer that came zigzagging through this tall grass. And, and I caught him out of the corner of my eye and actually he came running. He picked up pace, which makes me wonder, I don't know if like a coyote was chasing him or what spooked him, but like halfway down when I seen him zigzagging and he's heading straight on towards me. So I could see his rack outside his ears and I'm immediately I'm like shooter you know <laughs> yep and he's in velvet right <laughs> oh yeah he was just beautiful man and they're and they're like one thing I'll say about the North Dakota deer is they're like smaller deer yep so the racks look bigger yep you know what I'm saying uh-huh so yep. so he's running directly at me and and I draw my bow and and I've shot like trotting deer before but like halfway down the field he picks up like I'm talking full speed and, and he goes by me at about, I don't know, 27 yards and I lead him a little bit and I, I let the arrow go and I see it go in and it enters in about center body. And what ended up happening is I told my buddy, I said, dude, I think I just got shot that deer. And he, this is later on, you know, yep. after I get back and I didn't go after him and my buddy was just like heartbroken. And I'm feeling sick as shit because I'm thinking I just got punched this deer and so whatever. We go back. He takes off the next day. I'm like, I, I'm going to go look for him and whatnot. And we're thinking if he did die, if anything, he's eaten up by coyotes. And sure as shit, I get back to the next day and end up finding him. He didn't make it 40 yards from when I shot him. Holy cow. You actually shot him on a, on a run? Yeah, full, and I'm talking full out run, like holy cow, <laughs> border borderline unethical. You know what I'm saying, man? Like, uh, Heinz, I, I was actually my buddy was kind of pissed at me, and and I was kind of pissed at myself. I, I don't know if my adrenaline just got going or whatnot, but hindsight, you probably you shouldn't take a shot like that, probably. But at the same time, it's like I felt pretty confident. My in my my setup's pretty freaking awesome. I feel like I, I take a lot of shots that like, like my favorite shot, if you're asking me is a front quartering two shot right on the shoulder. Yep. You know, yep. Get all the goodies, man. <laughs> Send it right up there. <laughs> yeah. And I shoot, I shoot a 90 pound Matthews. So, I mean, it's, it packs some punch, you know? Yep. So this this deer only ran forty yards. So you forty yards him. ended up ended up going in the last rib and came out by kind of like his hip area. Okay. And I mean he tipped over forty yards. If if I would have crested the hill when I went and got my arrow, I would have seen him laying there. Wow. 
So did the coyotes and get after him? Nope, nothing. He was completely fine, saved all the meat. I It was funny. So after I found him, I actually had to put put one of my uh, steps up on a tree, climb to the top, wave my cell phone around for reception, <laughs> you know, so I could let my buddy know that I got this deer. Yep. Yep, and I hiked back, hiked back to the truck, dropped all my stuff off, came back, got them out, and I just picked the deer up and carried them back. And I got like halfway down this fence line when my buddy was actually coming. He got my text. And so he got some really cool pictures of me carrying this deer out. It looks cooler than it is because you got to remember they're uh, a lot lighter than around here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're 6'3", 270, that's probably nothing for you to pick that deer up. (laughs) He was, yeah, he was, he was a lot smaller. I'll tell you what, if I would have tried that with the 200 pound Wisconsin deer, that would have been a different story, but (laughs) so, I mean, your, your goal, it's off to a good start. So we're, you're leaving North Dakota. What is your game plan next for the, for the next state and what state is it? Well, next I'm heading back home. And actually, so we got back and was that September? So I went early September. Yep, we came back. And then September, Wisconsin opens up. So, uh, and actually, this is my first year. My wife is bow hunting too. Okay. And, and actually, it wasn't, she wasn't my wife at that time. She was my girlfriend or fiance, I should say. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and so opening night of wisconsin get her set up in a stand and then i'm, I'm probably i don't know 250 yards away from her she ends up uh hitting a doe and i get this text it's pretty cool because this is a, you remember this is her first deer ever first bow hunt first set ever and, right first time yeah. wow that's yep. crazy and she's been and i had her shooting all summer and she was doing really good and she ends up, I get a text message, and she's like, I, I smoked a deer, dropped him right there. And I'm like, right away, I'm like, shit, you spined her. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, you, you spined her. You, you need to get down and put another arrow in her. And she's yep. like, I'm getting text back. She's moving. Uh-oh. And I'm like, you need to go put her out of her misery you know, as fast as you can. And so she did. And this is all by herself. Wow. That's you know, crazy. Which, which is impressive. It is. That is impressive. A lot of people to know what to do in that situation, you know, you know, you, you panic, you, you made a questionable shot and, and I mean, you hunt long enough, you're going to have to go and put a deer out of his misery. You hundred percent. Yep. And, and I don't know anyone that enjoys doing that. No, you know what I'm saying? Not at it's, all. It's, it's one of the hard parts about, about bow hunting and whatnot. But anyway, she did it. And that same night I actually had, uh, a nice 130 inch 10 pointer come by. He was real short time, but had good mass, good width. And nine out of 10 times I shoot that deer, but coming off my, my high from my North Dakota velvet buck, I, I just watched him. I watched him at seven yards go by. I took a little video. Yeah. I took a little video with my phone and I don't know. It just like, it goes back. Me and you were talking about like that feeling, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just like enjoying the moment. My wife had just shot a deer and, you know, I just had an awesome hunt with a buddy out in North Dakota uh, with a velvet deer. And and I just kind of watched this buck go by and, and then I've kind of questioned myself like, shit, should I shot that deer? (laughs) Tell me this though. So a lot of people ask, and I ask a lot of guests on here too, like, what are your goals going into, you know, the trip? Is it an age thing? Is it an inches thing? Like, what is, what do you, you know, want to get out of it? So when you, and 
kind of the way I do it is I've said before, you know, I, I want to try, try to kill a three-year-old here in Michigan, you know, however big he is, I, you know, it doesn't really matter, but I, you know, a three-year-old is what I'm trying to, to shoot for. If I kill a two-year-old, then I mean, it, that's what happens. But ultimately when you're in the stand and it comes down to it, it's whatever, when I see that deer, if my heart gets going and uncontrollably and you know, my body will tell me what, what I need to do. Now, when you saw that deer, did you not get that feeling or did you get that feeling, but kind of talked yourself out of it? No, to, to be dead honest, I, the, I think that's where trail cameras kind of ruin you a little bit too. Yep. Is, is I knew the buck. Okay. And I wasn't all that excited. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. obviously you're excited the bucks in front of you, but like I didn't even, I don't even remember if I grabbed my bow, you know, like it just wasn't there. And, and actually, so just to kind of, you know, you talk about like that feeling. The buck I shot in Wisconsin was actually a little smaller. Okay. But I'll tell you what, that was. You did you ever see that picture? I uh, think I have. Yeah. My doe and the yep, buck. I yep, shot them both yep. six minutes apart. Yep. So that was that was a feeling. You know what I'm saying? Yep. When they sure. came out, it was. So yeah, I, I don't know. You you ask if there's a score or, I I'm not age. I'm not score. I mean. I'm I'm definitely a feeling, you know. I mean, it's gotta it's gotta get your heart pumping. For and sure, it's, it's funny. It's you know, it's funny how like you know, you can have a doe come by, and you're kind of annoyed when it comes by when you're not gonna shoot a doe that day. Right, but when you are gonna shoot it, <laughs> look oh, out! <laughs> yeah, then all of a sudden you know, shakes coming on and yep. So, no, so, but we we came back, and so that was we hunted the first two weeks or the, the last two weeks, I should say, of September. Those were the first two weeks of the season. And then me and my wife actually got ma- married. So we went down we went down to the Smoky Mountains, got married, did a week trip, and we came back and got back after bow hunting. And it was actually October 25th is the day I shot my buck and my doe in Wisconsin. And to kind of get into that story, we that morning was i think it was like 20 degrees it was one of the first like really cold mornings everything was frosty all the leaves on the ground were like wet with dew yep so super quiet to get in so actually i went in on this back side of this marsh that hadn't been hunted yet all year my dad was cool enough to stay out of there he he knew he knew i wanted to get back in there and just it had to be kind of the right time and it was a perfect morning to get in there, just super quiet, slipped in, hung my stand up kind of between these two ridges that kind of runs down a valley to this marsh. And I've noticed the deer trails are like sloping up at, at like a 45, like they're taking the the hills at an angle, you know, Okay. kind yep. of gradually going up. So that's, that's kind of how I picked it on a train, train base, you know? And so whatever, I got set up that morning. And I seen a buck come through, but I couldn't tell how big he was. It was too dark that morning. And he kind of moseyed through. And later on, all of a sudden, this doe comes through. And I kind of had this theory uh, to kind of change things a little bit, is a lot of people don't shoot uh, does. You know, you're, you're pushing, you're coming onto the rut and whatnot. Yep. And I had kind of this theory, and it could totally be wrong, but it kind of half-ass worked this day is say let's say that doe is 
is in heat and you know dragon scent all over okay yep I if follow. i shoot yeah if i shoot that deer that scent stops there i got gotcha. you instead so, of dragging across the fence line over to the neighbor's property yep and you know what i'm saying it's interesting i've never really kind of actually pictured it that way i mean you know like you kind of think like that that could happen yeah but i've never actually okay. had that come across like i need to do that so that's that's well, unique and that's I, different and, and i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought of that so but like so i i shot this doe and, and she's by I herself said, she was by herself yep by okay. herself and so i shot her all the deer i shot i shot four deer this year with my bow none of them went over 40 yards so I shot shot this deer. She dropped dead on the trail, and wasn't six minutes. I'm texting my buddies. You know, I got a doe down. You know, it was like seven thirty, and about six minutes later, all of a sudden, I see this buck looping through the woods, following her exact trail. His nose is to the ground. Oh man! <laughs> yep. And he comes walking, and he gets, and I'm already drawn back, and I'm ready for him to step into my shooting lane. Kind of, I got. Well, you know, that was naturally there. And where I shot this doe, though, I'm like, this is going to work out picture perfect. Well, he stops right behind three trees, and he's staring. He finally picked his head up enough to see the dead deer in front of him. Yep. And she's probably, I don't know, 20 yards in front of him. And he, like, gets into panic mode. He takes a step back. His head's on a swivel. He's looking around. And I... I I'm just looking and it's all that I can see is his front shoulder between these three trees. And I'm like, I'm going to feed an arrow through there, you know, cause that's one thing I believe is you get one shot of a buck. A year. Like, that's it. I'm, I'm the same way, I, man. You get one opportunity. <laughs> uh, how many times I was thinking about this too. I was telling my buddy, Nate, like how many times do you hear the story? Two more steps, man. And I would have had that buck. Yep. Five more yards, man. I would have had that buck. Yep. You know, you know what I'm saying? Hundred percent. You hear it every year. Yeah, dude. I bet you I've heard ten stories this year about like, oh man, I just needed ten more steps or five more yards. We had to clear this tree, and I wonder out of how many of those stories you could have made something work. Mm-hmm. I agree. You got it. You got to take some chances. Now, I'm not like encouraging unethical shit by any means, but it's like you got to make it count, man. These their only job in life is to survive. Yep. You know, so like, yep. So, and they have an intuition, you know, they got like a sixth sense, you know, like how odd is it that he stopped behind those three, three random trees? You know what I'm saying? Yep. Well, it could be the uh, six, three guy that weighs 270 pounds. Yeah. yeah hiding up in a tree. <laughs> yep. So, so anyways, so I feed this arrow through and just smoke him. Do I go right through the shoulder, punched his heart and he ran, I don't know what he did, 35 yards tipped over he his legs gave out he plowed dirt and i actually took a snapchat sent it to a bunch of buddies of both deer in the same picture that's awesome. laying there that's awesome all by you know seven thirty six in the morning okay so I, I gotta backtrack a little bit though so you kill these two deer you got two legs of the three done you know of your goal what do you what are you saying in the tree you're yelling i almost guarantee you're yelling you're saying explicit things <laughs> and you're just hooting and hollering so like are you like at this point are you thinking like this goal is obtainable like i could do this or was that not even a thought in your mind no very i'm thinking very obtainable because because like here here was my theory on this is like if i could get it if i get the north dakota done 
in that one week period, which I did, I was fortunate enough to, and then Wisconsin, my goal was by Halloween. Okay. If like, I thought my shots were amazing. If I could have a buck down in Wisconsin by hollow, by the end of October, because that gives you basically I'm trying to get into uh, Minnesota before the guns come out. Yep. And when does their gun season start? Well, they have like, uh, I, I don't even want to say a date. Some guys listening to this from Minnesota freaking out, but it's like, they have like, a an early gun season with shotgun. They run like two seasons. Okay. They run like one week on a week off and then another week on. And they actually have a rut shotgun. So it's like the first week in, or like the fifth or some shit like that. You know what I'm gotcha. saying? Yep. It, it, they're early it's November. Up a little bit. Yeah, they're early November. Okay. So um, it might be like the first Saturday or something like that. Yep. Either either way, I know this. I know that I shot the Minnesota buck on the 13th, and it was during their gun season. Oh, sure. Okay. So I, I know it was that time period. Gotcha. But no, I thought it was extremely obtainable because I'm going into Minnesota now, and I still got a little bit of October left. And, you know, roughly the first week of November to get it done. Did you have some spots in Minnesota already scouted out or even just an idea where you wanted to go? Yeah. So heading into kind of no different than in North Dakota, I benefited off a buddy that, uh, my buddy Scott Lesky, actually, he's the one that shot that 120-inch eight-pointer on yep. public land that kind of inspired me in the first place to get after it on public land. And, you know, you, you make these friendships and you build this trust of, of guys that are willing to share info with you. Cause they know I'm going to do the same. And, and, uh, so he kind of got me going there. He, he, uh, he gave me several spots. We scouted, I mean, this chunk of public, man, it's like 20,000 acres. Wow. It's a big chunk. So it's, yeah. And like how, how we just kind of look at it is like, we actually call different spots like farms, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So we call it like handgun Valley or, you know, there's just a couple of them, but it's like, we kind of look at it like a section, like a 500 acre section. And we look at that like its own farm. Okay. And then you kind of break it down. Cause one thing Minnesota does, it's really cool is there's a lot of like uh cropland on the public. Gotcha. And they leave like, don't quote me on this, but I think it's like 10% of the crops standing. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and remember we were just talking about earlier before we jumped on was, uh, the train features of like, it's so hilly yep. in Minnesota. Yep. Well, a lot of these spots have awesome ag fields up top and then it drops down into these big woods. Okay. So a lot of deer which, are coming up there to feed. Oh, and in perfect access. Yep. You know what I'm saying? The, the worst to me is when you got to walk through a field and enter the woods from the bottom. Yep. And it's probably good for thermals as well for your wind. Absolutely. Are you like it, that's when I think you can get away with a lot more morning hunts too. Mhm. So but yeah. Nope. So we so I had a and actually I was out with a buddy. We were actually on a different chunk of uh public land in Minnesota. Uh, my buddy Nate, who I also went to North Dakota with. He he was actually at work on Tuesday. I work with him. And he's like, hey, man, I got a new spot. 
I'd like to go in and I'd like us both to kind of hunt it and scout it all. He's like, I haven't hunted half the property. So if you can envision this, um, we kind of made a game plan the night before we're going to go in, we're going to get, get in there probably like an hour before light. And it's, it was this long, narrow parcel. It's a little over a mile in length and it's all fields up top. They're all, they're all private though. The fields are all private and the woods below are all public. And it's this giant kind of like, like washout that, that runs a mile in length. And it's got all these like finger washouts that you can walk, walk up to the fields and it's all open woods. Like, like you could see 150 yards in these woods. So it's mature woods and yes. Garbage hunting. Yep. Garbage desert to deer probably. Oh, dude, it was, it was horrible. So, so we go in a half mile up this, this ton of rocks. We were just crawling through rocks the whole morning and down trees. And, and he's, he's been in there before. So we, we had an idea, but then we were going to split and he was going to go where he's already been. And then I was going to hike up the other side and we were going to kind of work our way around this bowl till in the afternoon we meet each other, you know? Yep. And so anyways, we get in about a half mile. He splits up one way. I go the other. We tell each other good luck and get set up. And I mean, it is freezing cold (laughs) and it's like 12 degrees and, and we're both wearing sweatshirts. (laughs) Bunch of idiots. Like we're, we're so excited. We kind of like forgot how like, like to look at weather or, you you know what I'm saying? We just, we're just like, Hey, we need to get out and hunt. So, I mean, I got my chewy bars and my honey bun and my fanny pack and going with our mobile setups. And so anyways, like the minute the light comes up, the sun comes up, like I realize this woods is just crazy open and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get down. So I, I, I tear that set down and what I start doing is I start kind of looking at my Onyx maps and and as I'm walking, I'm looking at all the thick, it kind of gets to like CRP between the fields that kind of runs into the woods. Okay. So it's like four feet tall grass, you know? And so I get to the edge of all this stuff. And, the, and what I started doing was I kept one stick off my pack mm-hmm. and I'd put it on a tree. I'd climb to the top and I'd look down into the CRP. Oh, okay. And I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And yep. so I just climbed to the top of that stick. I'd look down and I'd, I'd kind of glass it over a little bit and see if there's a lot of trails running through or, you know, I'm just looking for any kind of sign yep. cause I can, cause I can see the rest of the woods. So my only hope is kind of this, like this field area. Well, <clears throat> long story short, I get, so it's, it is now noon and I had already tore down three times, tore my set down three times. Cause wow. like, and the only the reason I was moving was because like, number one, I was cold. <laughs> so moving got me warmed up again, tearing down, hiking a ways and then getting set back up. You know, you warm back up a little bit and then a new spot kind of rejuvenates you a little bit Well, I got to this one. So about noon, I, I tore down again and I'm on my last area and I run into the spot where they're still standing corn. And so it's standing corn 50 yards of like the CRP grass that runs into the woods quite a ways. And I'm like, okay, this could be promising. It's kind of like a little cut through, you know? 
So I, I put my stick on a tree, climb up, and I mean, it's like a maze running through there. And I'm like, okay, shit's traveling through here. So you're thinking you probably found the, like the, like the main I'm, highway probably. That's what I'm hoping. Cause, cause you got to find something that they're cutting through these, the, the public. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because the corn's so, private, right? Yep. The corn's private. And so I'm finding something that they're cutting through, you know, is all I need them to do is get on the edge of public and I'm good. Mm-hmm. So, so I get up up in a tree and i'm kind of like in there's like three trees set up kind of wrapped around me because it is just crazy windy cold as hell i get set up i'm there for probably 45 minutes and i love the spot like i'm like if something's gonna happen it's here what time of day did you say this was this is this is at 1 p.m now and this is november 12th november 13th 13th okay yep november 13th 1 p.m and I'm freezing and my buddy's phone is dead. Uh, so and we didn't know all this at the time, but my buddy's phone is dead. Mine's at like 3%. <laughs> and so I can't even text him. Like we don't even know which way each other's moving around all this public to kind of meet up with each other eventually. And yep. at the end of the day, you know, and another thing, a little side note is, we we think high more highly of each other than we probably are. So <laughs> so my buddy's thinking I'm some badass up in a tree and I'm not moving and I'm not cold and I'm you know what I'm saying? That's yep, what he's thinking. Yep. I'm thinking the same thing about him when really we're both being a bunch of bitches up there. <laughs> Freezing cold as hell. <laughs> and we're moving a lot more than we thought. Like around this bowl. So anyways though now so I'm I'm freezing cold again. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get down again. And I'm going to wrap around this corner and kind of be in the same area, but I'll be on the other side. Wind's blowing so freaking hard back into the woods over this opening. I'm not worried about the wind. And your, <clears> and your <throat> sounds probably mass. Oh dude, too. you're, you're golden. I mean, it's, it's so, the wind is so loud. You couldn't hear something walking. Yep. So, so anyways, I, 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 un, I unknock my arrow and I'm just about to slide it into my quiver. And all of a sudden I look down and I'm only, I'm probably 12 feet in the air. And I look down and there's a doe three yards from me. I mean, I could have dropped my ball on her. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. Immediately look out of the corner of my eye and I see a buck zigzagging through that grass. Probably trying to get her scent. Yeah, he. I think he was following her. Yep. And, and I had, so how I'm set up, I had this one opening at like 25 yards. Otherwise the next opening was like at five yards where that doe was standing. And then I'm done. Cause remember I'm wrapped by these three trees. Yep. And so that's it. And there's a giant limb sticking out. So if you don't hit one of those spots, you, you're shit out of luck. And I can't shoot anything on my right side cause the trees wrapped around. And so anyways, this buck's coming. I knock my arrow real quick, draw, and dude, I, that's why I call it. I don't call it like luck or hope. Like it's destiny. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what I think about. Like <laughs> yep. for, for everything to line up in the world, for that deer to be in that spot for you to shoot, you know? Yep. It's just meant to be. Oh, and yes. <laughs> so this deer stops and he lets out two grunts 
And I mean, it's so cold. It's the grunts that you can see the frost come out of his mouth, you know? And, and dude, quartering two shot, let it rip, crush his shoulder right through the shoulder, split his heart. He, he runs, wraps around my tree, drops dead within 40 yards. (laughs) And I watched him. I literally spun with him around the tree. And I mean, this grass that I was telling you is like four feet tall just sprayed with blood oh man that's a good feeling oh my gosh dude and and to see him pile up like that i was just like like you did your job you know yep that's awesome so i mean explain it a little bit what i mean what was he what what did he look like so this buck in minnesota he was 122 inch eight pointer perfect Yep, and he dressed. Uh, he dressed out at two hundred pounds on the nuts. Jeez, OP, it's big deer, big body. Yeah, deer. oh, so yeah. So I got to tell you this too. So, so remember, we're we got no cell phone service. Yeah, continue here. No cell phone service, so I can't even tell my buddy I got this buck. And I'm at the farthest point you can get on this property. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm a hair over a mile in, and I'm like, okay. So I get out to. Okay, to be fully honest, I run across a farmer's field road <laughs> to get to the main road. Yep. Okay. So I get to the main road. I have to walk. It's a mile and a half walk back to my truck. Okay. So I so the first thing I did was I pulled the deer up and I hid the deer because like people people in public they'll they'll cut the head off and I've heard horror stories, <laughs> dude. It's you know, shit you don't have to worry about on private land. So yep. what I do is I get this deer drug all the way up and I hide him between two down trees. <clears throat> okay, I tag him, drag him up, hide him between two down trees. And I get out to the road, walk back to my truck, get my phone plugged in enough to get some service and and enough power to get back onto Onyx. I get the, um, the landowner's name that uh that owns that field road that i crossed yep drive to his house knock on his door i'm like hey you know sir i I just shot a buck over here and dude he could give a shit less he like he just wanted me out of there like yeah yeah go just 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 go get get out of here so he (laughs) wouldn't let you go on there or he would oh oh, he would oh okay yeah he just wanted me he just wanted me out of his way i don't know if he was watching a great tv show or what (laughs) probably a hammer flick or something (laughs) it could be i don't (laughs) but yeah he could he was just wanting me out of there and he's like, yeah, yep, go get it. Just, all right, we'll see ya. And okay. I said, thank you. Thank you, sir. You know, got my truck down there. I mean, dude, it was like a 200 yard drag. Oh, dude, you did this. You got off easy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was beyond lucky. So, so I, I got him out, get him drug up, pull him up into my truck. And, and my buddy doesn't know about this at the time now. So I, I like get this deer stuffed up into my tailgate so you can't see him. My tunnel covers on and everything. Yep. And I'm driving back down to the main access and here my buddy has come walking up the road. He could see my tire tracks in the snow. And so I meet him on the road and I'm like, Hey man, you know, like I just got so cold. I had to get back in the truck, you know? And he's like, yeah, me too. You know? And I'm like, why don't you throw your shit in the back? You know? And so he goes back there, <laughs> flips that tailgate down and we both just lose it. That's you know? Awesome. That's awesome. We're out in the middle of this road. We're both freaking out, and he's on cloud nine. And <laughs> dude, that's yeah, the dude, best just, feeling ever. When yeah, you can it do it with buddies epic. like that, man, that's awesome. 
yeah so i gotta go back up and uh find out if that neighborhood let me park up there to access it from the top you know yeah no kidding that's the first thing i thought was like dude i'm gonna go back and and that farmer has no clue the amount of work he just saved me (laughs) take him some venison or something like that (laughs) yeah exactly that's what i thought about doing was bringing him some beer and some venison or something just to just for a thank you you know he has no clue the amount of time and work he saved me that's unbelievable, man. That's that's a hell of a year. I mean, to set a goal like that and then actually accomplish it and, you know, the time and effort that you put into it. Well, I mean, the farmer did save you a lot of effort, but uh, next year I want you to put that buck on your back and go back up and down the hills. So no yeah. shortcuts <laughs> next year. <laughs> I know. No, I, dude, it was just I'm still on cloud nine thinking about it. But like I said, that, that buck, so that was – so to go through in my head, uh, the velvet buck was 127 inches and some change. Perfect. Uh, eight pointer. Yep. And then the nine pointer in Wisconsin, he was 124. And then the Minnesota buck was 122. Dude, I mean, eight three pointer. great so, bucks. Yeah, I, oh, dude, I'm on cloud nine about it. I, I'm getting a head mount done. I should get it back in the next week of the velvet buck. That's awesome. And then the other two I did uh, euro mounts on them. Good for you, man. That's something that we've been, and I don't want to discredit those deer at all. Those deer are studs. Those are those are big deer, you know. And I feel like you and I kind of briefly talked about it before this about how, you know, we think the outdoor industry or the hunting industry is kind of dying because of, you know, you have to kill a big deer to be accepted, you know. And it's I'm not all about that. I used to be that guy. I'm not gonna lie. Six seven years ago, I used to be that guy. Like complain like why is the neighbor shooting that deer or whatever you know i used to i was caught up in it i'll be 100 percent honest with you but now i mean i just want people to have fun i want to have fun you know what i mean and the journey that you had to get those three deer i mean it's second to none and you'll you'll remember those probably better than any of your biggest deer you've ever killed probably no for you're 100 percent right actually i told you this before but you know if i was to my biggest deer is, uh, I have a 148 inch buck. I have, I counted, I have 15, 15 deer over 120. Yep. And like by far, if, if you have to ask me, my favorite deer is still that Minnesota buck that I shot this last season. That's awesome. And he, you know, he's, he's definitely not the biggest he's, but he's the one I'm by far the most proud of. Yep. Cause, cause the, to get through that season and to do it with my buddy too, my buddy, Nate, I mean, just, just someone that's extremely selfless like that. And, you know, my wife letting me go and do all this, you know, that's another thing too, that people need to take into perspective is, you know, the people doing these hunts, like I don't have any kids. Yep. Do it now. (laughs) You you get what I'm saying? I have a wife that's into hunting that lets me go and do this stuff. And I also have a job that I have four weeks of vacation and with no kids, you're not using up sick time. You're not, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So two, three weeks of those four weeks, they're hunting. Yep. Like I'm, I'm beyond spoiled. There's, there's guys doing, you know, shooting bucks. There's one guy on the team that I'm on that he shot a buck on public land in Wisconsin, like hard, hard public land to hunt. You know I mean? You get like swamps, no ag, and it's like, and he's got a kid, a wife, 
a job that he doesn't have the vacation time that I have and he's still getting it done. You know, it's yep. like, I don't know, just, uh, people got to put it in perspective when, when they're taking that into account, you see some of these giants being shot and you don't really know their situation. Is it a shit ton of private land that exactly, you know, they don't have to put much work in or, you know, that that's kind of the main reason I started doing this in the first place was like, it wasn't enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I told you, I feel extremely confident. Like I, I would bet a lot that I'm going to kill a deer at my grandpa's farm mm-hmm. every year. You know what I'm saying? It's, yep. it's, it's just, and to me, you, you should, you know what I'm saying? Like if you've been hunting a place for 10, 15 years and you're not getting it done consistently, you need to, you probably need to look at what you're doing. Yep. Probably doing something a little wrong. Or, or like you said, you're setting unrealistic expectations. If I went out every year and said like, I want to shoot 150 inch deer, I'm going to be in a lot of tags because mm-hmm. I didn't even see 150 inch deer this year. Yep. Well, and then you have tail. on the other end of the fold, you have guys that when you say that are like, "Well, you're shooting the first 120 inch buck that comes by, so that's why you're not seeing it." Well, <laughs> sorry, it, but that's that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? It, like that deer. You know what? You could you could be that that that's one theory. Yep, 100. But <laughs> but uh, I I we actually benefit from our neighbors at my grandpa's farm, and we talk and we share trail camera photos and. If 140 inch deer is shot, like the neighbors know. Oh yeah, people are gonna know about it. <laughs> you know. So I don't know. I guess I guess if you could get every single person around you, you know, my my grandpa's farm is 140 acres. About 60 of it's huntable. The rest is just dead open pasture. Mm-hmm. And we have so like opener of bow. We have one, two, three, four, five people on there. On 60 acres. It's pretty, it's a lot. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like yeah. I hear some of these people like, oh, I think I messaged you that. I listened to that one podcast where it's like, I got 1900 acres. I share with four people. It's super pressured. Not like, really. <laughs> holy shit, man. You got like four or 500 acres to yourself. Yep. Like, <laughs> so, and, and by the way, like I'm not complaining. Like to me, that's still not pressured mm-hmm. because if you want, if you want real perspective of what pressure is, go on some public land. Yep. I think I told you, remember I had that guy in my stand the one morning. Yep. I I actually did a setup, did a hang and bang one morning, Minnesota, or it was actually one night and you're not supposed to, but I left my stand in the tree and I'm like, I, I'd been there all week, like in that general vicinity. And I, I hadn't seen a single vehicle. Okay. And so I'm like, I think I'll be safe. You know, it was snow. You could see my tracks. Well, so I left it, came back in the morning and <clears throat> nope, no one parked there. No tracks. I'm good to go. Right. I get, I get into the woods and all of a sudden I run into a small set of tracks that run into mine. Little, little footprints. Yep. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I kind of got nervous. Like I was telling my wife about it. Like I thought there was like a kid out there. Uh-huh. And, and so I'm following these tracks and like, I'm kind of being a, a dumbass. I'm not looking up. I'm literally just following these tracks on the ground with my flashlight and stuff. And all of a sudden I hear a whistle and I look up and hear him standing by my tree that I hung and to hear this little, 
uh, a little Hmong guy standing up in the tree. <laughs> and, and, and he looks scared out of his mind. <laughs> like, cause I he knew he, he wasn't supposed to be there. Exactly. Well, and I think he thought like, maybe he's had some bad encounters, you know? Yeah. But I'm dying laughing. You know, he gets down, we're, we're bullshitting for a while. We're both laughing about it. And, and he, and so anyways, he, it's kind of funny. Another thing that happened. So he told me, he said he was out there squirrel hunting. He said he does a lot of squirrel hunting on that land. And he said, there's a big buck in here. And he said, he's going to come over. He's going to come over that hill. And I'm like, I don't know, man, it's pretty steep over there. Like, I think they, I think they cut the side hill over here. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, big buck over this hill. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, so he, he, so I get up in my stand and it's like crunchy snow. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And when I came in, I sounded like a goddamn grizzly bear walking <laughs> through there. Like everything heard me. And when this guy left, dude, I didn't hear a sound. Just a wee, just a wee so little guy. <laughs> yeah. And just like, it just shows how like, um, I don't know, like just kind of like elusive they are and just how much more time they've spent in the woods than I have. And, just probably their woodsmanship would be the best way to say it, you know? Yep. Their spot and stock mentality and stuff. Cause they grew up, they grew up on that public land. They didn't, they weren't, they weren't babied like we were on public, on private property. And, yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. But so anyways, lo and behold, 9am buck crests over that hill. That no he was way. Playing that. that one I was telling you about, remember that steep, like, yep. dude, if you were to climb up that hill, you'd have to be like hanging on to every tree as you're climbing. Was he a big and deer? That, like he said, he, I was probably like 120 inch eight pointer. Like oh, I was wow, good enough. <laughs> yeah. He's a good deer. Shot heartbeat. And yeah, he, he crested over though. And he, he probably stood there for 30 seconds and a big gust of wind came right from me to him. <clears throat> and his nose went straight up and he knew something wasn't right. Gone. He just kind of, he just kind of <laughs> walked off. Yep. Man, that's crazy <clears throat> though. It's pretty cool the encounters that you can have. Like, you know, hunting, I always say, like, hunting, it's brought so many people together. Like, this is the first time I've ever talked to you, you know, and you and I, are, we've been talking for an hour and a half now. Like, you know, we've been buddies forever. You know, that's what I love about it. And that's what I love about doing these podcasts is, like, you get to interact with a lot of guys from across the country that might be doing things the same or a little different, but you're, we're ultimately trying to go for the same goal or, you know, some yeah. some type of the same goal so it's, it's just really cool that's why i love hunting you know we were talking earlier just about kind of the industry and and how you were saying that you're uh you shot that giant by the way congratulations <laughs> Thanks. in Iowa. <laughs> yep. and and you shot another stud in kansas and you were telling me how you were getting a lot of hate yeah for the buck you shot in kansas yep well the the show is going to air tonight so i only imagine it's i'm going to get some more here probably tonight which, which blows my mind because that buck was still an extremely nice buck. you could tell it was a huge deer yeah he, he um, didn't like as score standards go like i said i've been telling people he might go 115 you know maybe 120 maybe but like the circumstances that i was in not that i was like felt like i had to shoot that deer what i mean is like wait till you see the video like i had just climbed the tree i was in it for six minutes i just had knocked an arrow and turned around and this deer's coming right at me. When I looked at the deer, my heart just started pounding. 
And I'm like, yep, that's the deer I want to shoot. Like never once did I have a thought in my head that I was like, ah, well, well, he's not that big. Never once I ever thought that. Even when I walked up on him, I was never like, ah, how am I going to make him look big in pictures or anything like that? You know, (laughs) I never once thought that I was so jacked, so excited. And that's why I do that. And that's the best way I can describe to those people that just sending just stupid stuff and direct messages on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm like, you guys have nothing else better to do than just try to pick on other other people. And 95% of it is all jealousy. Sorry. I'm sorry. I get to do what I do. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. I've worked my ass off to get where I'm at and to be able to do what I do, and I enjoy it a lot. So, answer answer this, Aaron. How many of those people are hunters? That's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> like, they a lot of them probably aren't. You know. You know what? I I I beg to differ. I bet you all of them are hunters. Yeah, they probably <clears> are. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And you know, people like to complain about the oh the anti hunters and. That, that is the smallest part of our problem in our hunting industry. It is hands down hunter on hunter hate. It is. And it's sickening. Dude, between, between bow hunters hating the gun hunters, the bow hunters hating the crossbow hunters, it's the, the gun hunters want, want to be able to hunt during the rut. It's not fair. The bow hunters do. It's like, dude, do you know how much shit is going on right now? It's like, like prime example, South Dakota. Uh, you probably know about this already. But they just took their, <clears throat> so non-residents can't hunt till October 1st. Really? I actually didn't uh, know that. Yeah, unless you go through an outfitter. Okay. So go figure. It's yeah. like. It's all, to, it's to all me, money related. <laughs> to me, that's, yeah. And, and like, I, I literally read, anyone that's listening to this, go go to the fishing game for, uh, did I say South Dakota, right? Yeah, you said South Dakota. Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure I didn't say North Dakota. North Dakota is still doing a great job. Thank you, North Dakota Fishing Game. Uh, South Dakota, though, they can go fuck themselves. Sorry for that word. <laughs> but, You're good. Like, so, so I actually read on their website, it's, it's literally to improve resident hunters. Bottom line, I read a bunch of opinion articles on it, too. <clears throat> Tony Peterson did an awesome podcast on, on laying it out. But... Bottom line is they're complaining about the non-resident hunters coming in. It's like we pay five times the amount for our tags. We spend gas money, vacation time. You know, we're we're supporting your your local hotels, your restaurants, gas stations. It's like, and and then you go and screw us over so that you can hunt a month ahead of us. Yep. I would never do that to someone. I'm and like what bothers me too is you got to remember like twenty percent of that state is public land. Yep, there's a lot of public. Well, yeah, there. I mean, there's a ton of public land out there. It's insane, yeah. and it's just like and and now you just took away anyone's opportunity to get a velvet deer that normally would be able to go down to South Dakota and get an awesome hunt in, and it's just it's maddening. And yeah. in Wisconsin. Now Wisconsin's looking. I mean, how many states? Number one, how many states are going to follow through with that? Is Kentucky next? I don't know. So you can't go out of state and get a Kentucky velvet deer. It's like, yeah, it's just kind of sad that that we're we're going to this. Like, especially when I hear it from like the people that think like, oh, it's so pressured. I is all that I see is out of state license plates. It's like, 
dude, I'm from Wisconsin. Don't whine to me about non-resident hunters. <laughs> yep. Like the only people I want to hear complaining is Michigan and Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Unless you're one of those three states, keep your mouth shut. Well, you know, Wisconsin's going through a whole bunch of proposed changes right now, too, that they're putting, which you probably know about. I actually did a podcast with my buddy Keegan um, just a couple days ago talking about all these proposed uh, changes because he's grown up in Wisconsin just like you, hunted Wisconsin his whole life. So I wanted to get his perspective on all of them. And I'll tell you what, there's some in there that I'm just like, no, there's no way I would go for that. And why would you even want to do that? Um, they're complete garbage and it's and to me it is beyond selfish one of them um, you already did a podcast with it so you know like yep one of them was extending the gun season yep 19 days instead of having it nine days which is which, the shortest is, in the country which which by the way i i'm totally fine if you want to ex- extend it but move it back yep they want to if you want to add those 10 days add it to the end of it don't yeah. add it to the front of it see Bottom line is they want these gun hunters to get in and get some of the rut action. Well, and the reason we talked about that, and I think, you know, coming from Michigan as a, you know, a, a very traditional state like, like Wisconsin, I think it's the revenue. It's all revenue based because there is, there is, and I'm guessing in Wisconsin the same, but up in the UP of Michigan, there is towns that rely on opening day rifle season in that weekend, you know, that rely on that revenue and the people that travel there. And I think it's just, they're just seeing dollar signs, you know, and it's not so much. Um, and I could be wrong. I could be, but that's my opinion. And I guess until you know I'm told different, that's where I'm at with it. You, you know what? You're probably right. But it kind of goes back to what I told you earlier. One of the worst things in my opinion that, that like Wisconsin did, was the online registration now everyone loves how convenient it is but you just screwed over all the local bars restaurants hotels we have all kinds of non-resident hunters that come up in all the local communities too remember i told you and before that before the online registration and whatnot we used to go downtown to the local bars and and i mean it would be lined the streets would be lined with trucks with tailgates down you know just supporting the community. Think of all the money that flooded the community during opening opening weekend again. Right. And now I told you I can go down that same street and you won't see a vehicle. That's crazy. And and I love how they think that this like made it more accurate for their numbers. I would bet you a lot of money there's a lot of deer not being registered. Because you never because yeah. you never have to leave your house with that deer. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, but that's just my opinion. But you want to talk about revenue. You know, you talked about revenue. Look at what you just took away from the communities. Right. Yeah. And like you said with the South Dakota thing, you're we're trying to bring business in there in a way because we're hunting. So you're staying in hotels or in, you know, you could be camping out at a, at a campsite or something like that. Or you're always eating at the local bar or the local restaurant or getting gas like you're helping out these little little towns because where we're going hunting and a majority of the hunters are going hunting it's out in the middle of bfe where there's these little one light towns basically that's what it is and you know that probably sustains a lot of the revenue for that little town during the fall so i I totally get it no absolutely but but you know what every state's doing every state's trying to be the next iowa yep it's not gonna happen because you know i don't know the big difference and you know it 
but there is hardly anybody that live in Iowa. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Absolutely. That's what I just told you, man. When I went down to see my buddies for the garage party, it's like you get on some of these roads, they see one car a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's like, it's a totally different atmosphere. Yeah. The county that I shot my buck in, in Iowa, there are more bow hunters in Michigan that live in that county in Iowa. So put that into perspective. <laughs> right? Yeah, no shit. That's a... That's a nice fact to know. There's a reason why I saw five or six bucks over 150 and 160, you know, there's a reason on one farm out of one stand. Like, and people, I've got so much hate mail from that. You shot it in a high fence. It must be nice to be able to hunt property that's <laughs> that's in a high fence and low pressure with food plots all over it. I'm going to tell you what, the day before I got there is the day that I got that farm. Leased it, released it right then. You know, and yes, it's low pressure, but like I said, nobody really hunts out there. I mean, there are hunters, but they're not like they are in any other state. I don't care. I've hunted a lot of states in the Midwest. There is not a state like Iowa. I equate it to like Iowa is the major leagues. It is the NFL. It is the NBA. And every other state is like high school level, if that makes sense. Like that is my analogy because I'm a sports guy, but like when you go there, it's, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to vouch for public land because I know there's not a lot of public land there and I've never hunted public land there. So, but I'm telling you, you go there and you can get on a lease or go with an outfitter. I don't care. Or private land. You're going to see the deer of your lifetime. And that might only be 130 inch deer, but you're going to see them. Trust me. And you're probably going to get an opportunity at them. So it's just Here. a different ball game. You know, bringing that back, though, with, like, South Dakota and what Wisconsin wants to do, you know, they say the number one issue is hunter recruitment. <clears throat> I want to know, how does that help hunter recruitment? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like with what South Dakota did, how does how does banning non-resident hunters till October 1st encourage hunting? Like, like every every state wants to be the next big buck state, right? Yep. When is the last time you ever heard of people not hunting because there's not enough big bucks? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you, you hear yep. how stupid that sounds? It is like like I love how our our game and fish like are listening to these people whining because of uh, I don't get to see enough big bucks and non-residents are coming and killing all my deer. Well, and, and it's like yeah, think about this, dude. Think about how like I think about non-resident hunters. Anybody I know that's spending money, time, PTO away from their family that's traveling out of state, they're serious hunters. They're people, they're people like that are, they're getting the job done. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're not like, they're not weekend warriors. Right. Yep. But and like, it, like you said, the fish and game are looking at the locals and the residents, they're whining and the fishing game are probably taking it as like, we're losing these hunters. We can't lose our local hunters. So that's where I'm saying like the revenue is coming in. That means like, you know what I'm saying? It's like a chain effect in a way. So they're almost, I feel like from an outsider's perspective, they're almost like shaking in their boots, like shit, we can't lose these people because they probably think there's not a lot of non-residents coming in and hunting. You know, I, I don't know. I could be looking too far into it too, but I just think that's one of the – they just don't want to lose their own, which I get, I understand, but still there's a lot of people that travel all fall 
to different states to hunt. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of hunters. No, you're you're 100 right. It's uh, it's the squeaky wheel gets to grease, you know. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I don't know. I just hope we don't do that same thing in Wisconsin where where because because dude, I'm a Wisconsin resident. I would never like if there was a vote like, hey, you know, if if you want to take non-resident hunters and push them back a month so you guys get a better chance, absolutely not. I could I would not feel right being a hunter, a conservationist raising my hand for a vote like that yeah like and then you and then you call yourself like a conservationist you know what i'm saying like yep. you're not you're not doing this for population control you're not doing you're doing this out of selfish reasons well mm-hmm. yeah of course would i love to hunt one month before my neighbors could hunt yeah that'd be fucking great that'd be extremely <laughs> selfish too yep everybody would <laughs> yeah absolutely like that's not even being a decent person like to me you need to have the attitude and the drive in yourself to get after it. Yep. Like when I pull up to like, I mean, this happened several times in Minnesota where I pull up and there was this guy, he beat me there twice where I'd see his vehicle. And you know what I had to do? I had to laugh <laughs> like his truck's already in the parking line. He's gone. Yep. And I had to like, I'm just sitting there like touche, man. You know, like you beat me. Yep. <laughs> like, and so I'd go somewhere else. Yep. I get it. I I think we're on the same page. <laughs> I I just don't I don't get this uh this attitude that we have and I mean we we're going to destroy ourselves. There's bigger things out there than the size of the buck. We I mean I forget what state it was. I'm, I'll send you the article after this. Yeah. But it's on like change.org and there's actually um petitions out to ban bow hunting. I think Jeez, it was out in peace. Washington right now. And dude, like, I hate making the argument for him, but it's like, that would be the easiest thing to go after in the world. Yep. It really would. If you want to talk about it, think about that. If you want to talk about true ethics and, and like putting an animal down mercifully, like we have guns now. And remember, if you talk to any hunter that, or I I should say any regular person that's not a hunter, but not an anti-hunter, they're the ones deciding all our votes, correct? Yep. Right? What are, what is Hunter like? Four percent? I think yeah, like four percent of the nation. I don't even hunts. know what it is. Yeah, it's <clears> tiny. Okay, so I mean, this is just common sense shit, people. Like, think about it. So we need to persuade the mass that hunting is good, you know. And for bow hunting to be ethical, it's like you need to prove that it's not like we always talk about it like a sport. Well, the minute you talk about it being like a sport. It's like we're enjoying killing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And and, it, and so when when we're worried about like buck sizes and uh, non-residents coming to my state, it's like people, we got bigger things to worry about here. Like 20 years from now, and is all that it takes is is one state to do it. Mm-hmm. California does it. I mean, all of a sudden Washington does it, and New York does it. And it's like it's just a dwindle effect. And I know like there's a bunch of people sitting in Illinois and Iowa that are like. They're talking to all their neighbors, which is a bunch of people just like them. So they don't hear any different. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I get like, it. Oh, that's, that's impossible <laughs> to happen. Yeah. I've never even heard of that. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. Like it's cause you're living a town of 200 people. Right. <laughs> and, and everyone's doing the same shit you're doing. It's yep. like, go to a big city and talk about something like that. Yep. It's, I don't know. I just wish we would, uh, you know, it goes back to like Kurt Geyer 
talks about like quality pictures, you, you know, like when you take a picture with a deer, you know, put the tongue in, you know, make sure there's not blood all over. It's like all those things I think do play a part. hundred percent. I'm on the same board. I've got buddies, good friends that are be like, you know, why do you take the time to take these photos? And I said, because I, that's me respecting this deer, this animal that gave me so much. And I go as far as my dad taught me as a young age is you never step over a deer. You know, I've never stepped over a deer, like belittling it almost. So I don't do that. You know, I always, I do feel bad this year when I, you know, when I did shoot my Iowa deer, when I walked up to it, the arrow was still sticking out of it. And we, you know, it's, you can see it in the film, but I do, you know, I feel bad about that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you like to clean it up, respect them. You know, they, it's, it's, a it's a blessing to be able to do what we do. Yeah, it's no, that's true. And I, you know, that's why like when people talk about, it's not the anti hunters that are going to take us down. It's ourselves. Yep. Cause we're so small. We are, yep. you know, we're, we're beyond small and, and man, they're hacking away. They're hacking away little by little. I mean, you know, it starts, you know, Steve Vernella talks about it. Like when they ban guns, like, so, so say there's a part of society that wants to ban guns. Well, they're not going to just be able to ban guns. So they got to pick away at it. Mm-hmm. So they ban 30 round clips. Right. Yep. Then they'll, you know what I'm saying? They'll ban handguns. Then yep. they, you know what I'm saying? That they pick away and they do that in the hunting industry. So to, to do a, to do a vote where they're like, Hey, should we ban hunting? Well, most of society realizes we need it for population control. Right. Yep. So they'll pick something. Well, how about, how about mountain lion hunting with dogs? <laughs> They're going to oh, start going well, at the little things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and it just, and it chips away at things and it's like, <laughs> and so we got big issues like that going on. And yet we got petty guys worrying about what you shoot in Kansas. Right. Or, or a guy getting to hunt before I get to hunt or someone using a crossbow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's I like, get it. God, I just, yeah. I, I think we have bigger <laughs> things to worry about than, than stuff like this. And everyone just needs to go out and make their own adventure and be positive. That's the first yeah. thing have a good attitude with it. Yep. Well, man, I hate to cut this short cause we're having a good conversation. Um, but my daughter's down here and she's wanting to hug dad. She just got it from a nap. So, <laughs> well, there you go. That's priorities. <laughs> yep. But I appreciate you coming <laughs> on and straight. doing this, man. Nope. Sounds good, man. You, uh, you have a good rest of the day, and it was awesome talking to you, and we'll keep in touch. Yeah, let's do this again because I want to keep this conversation we had going here, uh, keep going. So let's let's get together again sometime and, and get this thing going again, and, and we'll go from there. But thank you. I appreciate you coming on, and you have a good rest of the day as well. All right. We'll see you, Aaron. And there you have it, another good podcast, episode 109 to be exact. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Please go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Or if you listen to it on Podbean, you can leave a comment in that section. That helps out as well. Um, Or on any platform that you guys, you know, listen to the podcast on. So thank you very much. we got some cool guests coming up, you know, in the next couple weeks. Um, Getting them out every week. So Justin will be back next week. So good to have him back on the podcast do a little catch up so thank you guys again good luck this turkey season mine's kicking in here this week so hopefully get a bird down sometime soon and uh yeah thank you guys for the support and uh we'll be right here next week on the fall podcast